Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. We've got a listener question today that uh, is one that I've never really thought about doing a podcast on, but we had a couple different people ask us about it, and that is on uh, the legality of assisted suicides, physician-assisted suicides, and other ways that it can be accomplished Um, and how it can affect you kind of near the end or depending on what medical condition you're in. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. I've got my dad on the show who worked on the Terry Schiavo case back in the day, so he's going to reach back and bring some of that into our discussion today. Um, So thanks for listening in with us. If you guys have any questions, email uh, petertragos at greeklaw.com. Hit us up on any social media at tragoslaw. And then you can also uh, leave reviews and five-star ratings on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever you listen to this podcast on. So thanks a lot for listening to us, and we'll get to the show now. All right, so we're here today with, uh, I guess, kind of a depressing topic, but it's one that people seem to be interested in, and that's assisted suicide. Um, so let's start out. I've got George Tragos with me. Let's start out a little bit by talking about what assisted suicide is, what the different forms of it are, and what some people consider assisted suicide that others may not. Well, assisted suicide is when you aid somebody in killing themselves. You give them the pills, but they take the pills. You give them, I mean, if I'm be graphic, give them the gun, and they use the gun on themselves. So you're assisting them in committing suicide. What people have trouble with is the difference between assisted suicide and euthanasia. Euthanasia is when someone actually kills you. They take the gun and shoot you. They take a, a syringe and inject you with the poison. I don't think euthanasia is taking a gun and shooting somebody. Well, I don't think that's I think, in the definition of euthanasia. Well, if you kill somebody, let's say, you think that that somebody is not worth living, that they that they have a sixth finger and people with six fingers shouldn't live. And you shoot all the people with a sixth finger. That's euthanasia by definition. No, by definition, euthanasia is the painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease or an irreversible coma. That's a sanitized version of euthanasia. Okay, I I disagree with you that shooting somebody's euthanasia, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. So, okay, so so there's a bunch of different... um, versions of this and I, I guess we'll we'll start out by talking about the government's interest in assisted suicide well the government has an interest in seeing that you live if it didn't then people would commit murders and it wouldn't be a government interest but people sometimes have a liberty interest and they say look it's my personal liberty if i want to end my life i can end my life so you've got the conflict between the government interest and a person's individual interest that's what comes into play in assisted suicide. Okay, and, and sometimes the government interest is not always in human life. Oh, absolutely. The example is Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany went around killing all these people, and they called it euthanasia because these people weren't perfect. They weren't Aryan. They were uh, Jewish. So they killed all the Jewish people, and they said that was euthanasia. That was the Nazi government interest. And that's why you see a government that got prosecuted in the Nuremberg trials for crimes against humanity, because they didn't protect life. Okay, so in in our country currently, are there any states, or I guess we can speak federally as a country as a whole, is assisted suicide legal? If it is, where is it legal? And how is it legal? 
Well, there's a U.S. Supreme Court case called Glucksburg. And on the Glucksburg case, the U.S. Supreme Court said there is no constitutional right to assisted suicide. Well, if there's no constitutional right to it, we know from our civics classes that then the states have the right to regulate it. So each state can individually decide whether or not they want to sanction assisted suicide. So similar to our other podcast that we did on sports gambling, the new Supreme Court case came down and basically said each state can decide on their own. That's what this is like as well. Absolutely. The same principle. Okay. So uh, do any states allow this or legalize it? Yes, there are eight states, California, Oregon, Colorado, Hawaii, Montana, Vermont, Washington, and Washington, D.C. So Washington State and Washington, D.C. Yes. Okay. So what is the definition of what is legal in those states? The key words are physician-assisted suicide. Medical aid in dying is another way of putting it, and that's the way it's worded in some of those statutes. For instance, you make a cocktail that's lethal to the person. You put it in their IV, but they turn the IV on okay. that actually kills So that them. makes sense because a lot of people can't put the IV in themselves, so the physician's allowed to do all that, but they don't actually... Like, for an example, the morphine pump. Sometimes after surgery, you have that pump that you can push that starts the morphine. That's physician-assisted, but that person actually makes a decision to push the pump. Right, and they can rig that up so that you actually press the button, and, and then you expire after a certain period of time. Okay. Um, so let's talk about now the criminal implications that can come from physician-assisted suicides and where it came from in the past with Dr. Kevorkian. Well, Dr. Kevorkian, of course, is still the well-known example. Uh, he helped people die, basically, when it was totally illegal to do it. He did it in Michigan, but then Michigan found out it had no law against suicide. There was no crime. But then what he did one day... Meaning there was no statute actually written under which they could prosecute him, even though it would make sense that he helped kill this person. You can't convict somebody of a crime that doesn't exist because, you know, the... The murder statute probably had something in there where you have intent to kill them um, or to, to, to cause bodily harm and kill this person when in reality they're the one that asked for it and he doesn't fit under that murder statute. Right. So there's no suicide statute, no crime. They couldn't convict him of any crime. But then what does he do? In 1996, he takes an injection. He actually physically injects somebody with the lethal dose. They die. He videotaped it. He put it on 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes showed him actually murdering someone. And in that case, he was prosecuted, and he was convicted, and he got 15 to 25 years. I think it was 10 to 25 years. Right, 10 to 25 so years. In other, so th this obviously started a political outrage as to whether or not people should be able to decide whether or not it's time for their life to end. And it also affects paraplegics and things like that, people that can't do that last step that you're talking about. They can't push that button. They can't inject themselves. And that's kind of the political stance that Kevorkian and people that take that side, that is the stance that I think is, is what's causing the political ruckus over people that, you know, would err on the side of do everything you can to keep somebody alive as long as you can keep them alive. Well, there's political, there's moral uh, decisions, there's legal decisions you have to make. I mean, the moral decisions, you know, Christians, Catholics have come out with a, with a statement saying that, obviously, physician-assisted suicide is against the Bible. It's a sin. So you've got that moral divide. Then you've got a political divide. You've got some people saying that the state has a right to keep you alive, and some people saying you have the individual right to kill yourself if you want to kill yourself. This argument, the same argument, comes up in abortion cases, too, where does the state have a right to order you not to 
kill that baby that's in in the womb? Or do you, as an individual, have the liberty to, it's your body, can you kill that person? That argument came up, the same argument has come up in an abortion case. So before we move on to the next topic, there are other stories that I've come across too where people dealing with suicide and other criminal ramifications of suicide. Like I had a guy come in one time who sold a gun to a friend and that friend ended up using the gun to kill himself. And the guy was worried that the cops were going, or the cops were investigating where the guy, where the friend got the gun and those procedures, how he didn't get it from a, you know, gun store where you had to go through all the proper protocols and all the checks before you can buy a gun. Um, and so he was worried he was going to get arrested and convicted of that. So are there other crimes besides physician assisted suicides that can get ancillary people in someone's life before they kill themselves? Well, certainly the gun issue, if he knew that he was going to use that gun to kill himself. If he, if the, if my client knew that his friend was going to kill himself. Right. Then I think then that would be a good situation. He might've gotten prosecuted for aiding and abetting that suicide, which in Florida is illegal. I mean, there are situations in Florida. Uh, Kevorkian wasn't convicted of murder. He was convicted of manslaughter. Uh, there are situations where you can be convicted if you help somebody to kill themselves because you are aiding a death. And recently there was the case about the teenage girl who was texting her boyfriend who was talking about killing himself, and then he was going to back out, and she texted him and said, no, just do it, just do it, just do it. And they have all these text messages back and forth about how she was pushing him to kill himself. He eventually killed himself, and she got prosecuted and convicted in that case. You're correct. She got convicted of involuntary manslaughter. She got 15 months incarceration. Involuntary manslaughter means she didn't deliberately cause the death, but what she did caused a death because of her reckless disregard for the safety of others. Right, and that's kind of... In a lot of criminal cases, if anybody has any experience with them, sometimes they make the statute fit the crime. Even though if you read those text messages that she sent, that was her intent for him to kill himself. But they kind of fit, fit it under a lesser statute in order to punish the crime appropriately. She was not the one that actually killed him, but you're right. What she did, they convicted her of at least um, being enough to push him to kill himself, which I think is kind of crazy that, you know, through text messages or words now we're convicting people that you can really talk somebody. You can you can murder somebody by talking, basically, is what, what that case is, is going towards, which is kind of scary in this day and age. Well, social media is expanding what a crime is and how a crime is committed. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the next section, which is Chapter 765. Right. That's the Florida statute. That statute says that... Anything you do, any deliberate act or omission that ends a life is a crime. But that doesn't include withdrawing prolonged procedures, which means a doctor, if it's a, if it's, say, a feeding tube. Well, in Florida, that feeding tube's removal is not considered a murder. And then we just saw that. Well, what it, it, so it, Chapter 765 is what? Chapter 765 is the Florida statute on mercy killings and euthanasia. Okay, right. So, so Florida has a specific statute that deals with these assisted suicide type situations. It is not the murder statute. Right, but there also is another statute, 782.08, that says that you deliberately assist another in the commission of self-murder, you are guilty of manslaughter, a second-degree felony. Okay, and that's because Florida is not one of the states that allows physician-assisted or any assisted suicide. Correct. But... Um, there is a separate 
statute, obviously, for intentional murder. So we deal with this differently in Florida with different statutes, depending on what the actions were that caused the person's death. Right. They're not saying a suicide is a murder. Right. It's basically right. It's lesser. Right. It's, it's a lesser crime, even though it's still a crime. It's a lesser crime to assist somebody in suicide than to just flat out murder somebody. Right. Um, and it doesn't specify what types of ways, you know, you assist them in suicide, whether it's, you know, holding the gun to their head or putting the needle in their arm or whatever it is. It's just assisting the suicide. Right. So, okay, so then that feeding tube situation that you're stating, that's the Terry Schiavo case that was in Florida and on the news back in the day. That's why that was not illegal because they weren't assisting her in suicide, even though they were taking away her right to live, basically. Taking away long-term care. And the reason that we have a court case is because there was a conflict within the family. You had her husband saying her oral directive was, I don't want to be kept on life support. You had her mother and father saying, Yes, she always wanted to live. She never wanted anybody to pull the plug. And understand that she was only had, she only had a feeding tube. Otherwise, she was fine. She was just being fed. Well, you say she was fine. She was a vegetable. She was in a vegetative state. Well, there's a debate about that. Some doctors say she wasn't. Okay, so what was what was the debate about then? Because she didn't have any motor skills anymore, right? Right, but, but they say that if she would have been... Um, massaged, if she would have had uh, intellectual stimulation while she was laying there in bed. But she laid there for years with no stimulation and just a feeding tube. And it said that just deteriorated her to such a state that she appeared to be in a vegetative state. Some people say she can come out of that vegetative state. There were doctors that did examine her that did say that. And they had the conflict, but it really came down to what did she want? And the husband so said... So that's, that's always the question at the end is what did the person want? In that in that situation, yes, because okay. they're un, they're unconscious. They can't say what they want. So, did they have some kind of a directive given to their family saying, "Yes, pull the plug. I don't want to sit here in this state forever." Okay, and and her parents were devout Catholics, right? Yes. They okay. Were. So let's talk about how the statistics in America play off with people that go to church of any religion or people that don't go to church. People that don't go to church. 77% of those believe that it's morally okay for assisted suicide. If you do go to church, it comes down to about 49% believe that it's morally okay for assisted suicide. And those numbers are growing. People are heading toward assisted suicide. And, and the risk of that, always the risk of that, frankly, you think about it, could be monetary. People are worried the high cost of keeping someone alive. Yeah, when absolutely. they're in that state, maybe you can't afford it. So... You want to go ahead and pull the plug. And you don't want to put that stress on your family if you right. know it's if, if you feel like your life is over anyways and you're going to have to pay for this for the next 20 years, it's going to put a financial stress on your family or, you know, liquidate all your assets or whatever as you are, in your opinion, just dying. Well, how about the tax burden? The fact that taxpayers right. may pay a lot of the costs well, of keeping somebody. I don't think people somebody. care that much about the tax. They don't mind, but the, but the government, a lot of people oh, think yeah, to okay. themselves, hey, I'm the government and I'm going to pass laws so we don't have to have this great expense on our medical system, our health care system. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense, I guess. So w when dealing with this sort of thing, what can people do to make sure that their wishes are in order so that their family doesn't have to make that decision because that's also a tough decision between family members between you know terry shivo's husband versus her parents you know everybody's trying to do the right thing for her or at least we hope so and how do you make take that burden away from your family and actually put a plan in place of what you want to happen if this god forbid should happen to you well first off you don't ignore it everybody's going to die at some point right they're going to have that situation so plan for it 
You go to a lawyer, you talk to the lawyer, you plan for what's going to happen if you're in a, for instance, you're not dead, but you're, you're sitting there and you can't communicate. Well, what's the directive? So there's a thing called an advanced family care directive, which is either written or oral. As a lawyer, we would always suggest making sure you do it in writing. Because there's no inter- well, there's less interpretation with that. Well, well, the Shivo problem was it was oral. What I'm saying is there's less interpretation, there's less room for interpretation in something that's written than something that's quote-unquote oral. Right. And then you have a living will, which allows medical professionals to withhold life-prolonging procedures. So you're sitting there, you, you're uh, in a situation where they can keep you alive, but you have a living will that says, don't do extraordinary measures. In other words, if I'm going out, don't give me the paddles and give me the electric shock. Some people want to do that and say, look, keep me alive as long as you can with everything possible. Well, that's the directive you should give your family so your family doesn't have to make that decision. And when you are creating this living will, can you draw lines as far as feeding tube versus, you know, machines that are actually breathing for you or brain dead versus any brain activity. Can you make those lines bright in a living will or is it just kind of a bright line, you know, if the doctor says I'm in a vegetative state, pull the plug. If the doctor says I'm not, don't pull the plug. You can do whatever you want. You can specify what machines, what things can keep you alive, how you're kept alive, how long you're kept alive in that state. You can do all that in the living will and you really should because you're, you're being cruel to your family if you don't. All right. And we're going to end with the AMA's position on physician-assisted suicide. They say that physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as a healer. So thanks for everybody asking this question. Thanks for digging in with us and thanks for listening. And we'll be back with you next time.